0: Complete with strobe lights and jokes about Harry Potter. We're back for week 14 of the Brotherly Sports Podcast presented by The Fan's Place. I'm your host, Sam Wexler, and alongside me, as always, Rory Billing and Connor Billing. Connor, you're not on the couch in your living room, but uh, you moved around the house to get the Wi-Fi better, is that right?
1: I am, but I'm also in a house in San Diego, so it's a little bit different spot for recording this week's podcast, so it's a little bit different, a little bit different view you get this week.
0: Well, hopefully we don't hear any waves or boats in the background. Rory, your background actually has part of an oceanside cliff in it. You want to explain your background here?
2: Yeah, I have a couple of different Zoom backgrounds from some places I've been. This one is the Cliffs of Moher, which I realize I haven't done any cool traveling in a while. So it's just making me miss that. Hopefully that season is almost back around to us with the vaccine coming out and stuff.
0: Well, I feel kind of inadequate over here just with a green screen behind me. Made out of some felt I bought at Michael's craft store a few months ago. But, you know, we're making it happen.
2: The green screen only looks cool when you actually have the effect of whatever's supposed to be behind you. (laughs) The green screen itself never actually looks cool. I need to iron out the
0: felt behind me so that it doesn't have creases where it was folded in the store. I'll see if I can dig through the closet in my mom's room and find the ironing board.
2: That does that does feel like a task that your parents might be able to help you out with.
0: Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> all right, speaking of heating things up like the iron, hot and cold performances of the week.
2: Touch the handle. If it's hot, there could be a fire in the hallway. Ah, my hand, that's hot. Ugh, this one's hot too. What does warm mean?
0: For me, Baker Mayfield was a stud on Monday Night Football. He grew as a leader and as a quarterback, and we've seen this growth all season.
1: I think we mentioned it. Uh, a couple weeks ago maybe that as Baker goes the Browns go and it's it'll be a good thing for the Browns if this is the Baker they get for the next six seven plus years this is the quarterback the franchise quarterback they expected he's been he's been good he's been a leader he hasn't made as many mistakes so if he plays well Rory and I were talking about this a little bit on Sunday he'll the Browns will be a tough out in the playoffs if they can steady the ship here and win a few of their last games and then Make the playoffs. It should be pretty good for them.
2: I, I kind of want to see what happens in a game where Baker can't play off of the run game too much. He's usually pretty good when the run game's going well enough that the play action works for him. And the Ravens, for whatever reason, didn't seem to be stopping much in terms of the run game on Sunday. So um, I know he's got Pittsburgh coming up a little bit later, I believe, before the playoffs. That's going to be an interesting game because the Steelers are pretty good at taking away that run um, that run defense, so we'll, we'll see what happens then, but he certainly looked good against the Ravens.
1: Connor, who do you have for the hot and cold? I actually have Justin Tucker with his 55-yard game-winning field goal. And unfortunately, I think he, his record of 70 straight field goals under 40 yards was broken last week or something ridiculous, but he's been about as good as it gets at any position top of the game basically since he came into the league, and it's another – Another thing Rory and I were talking about, the kickers don't get enough, get enough kudos, really only hear about the kickers when they do something wrong or they don't get, they're not as much of a focal point like an Adam Vinatieri when the Patriots were in the middle of their dynasty, won three or four playoff games for them, a couple Super Bowls. So having a leg like that just gives you a lot of confidence at the end of the game that you don't need to get as many yards as some other teams might be, or you don't have as much worry about trotting them out there for a 55 yard field goal. And on the flip side of that, of the cold, you've got Dan Bailey on the Vikings. And if they had a quality kicker, they'd probably be pretty well set to be in the playoffs. But I think I went back and looked at it. He started the season fine. And then in the past two games, he's two of six on field goals and one of four on extra points, which is basically they got lucky again, that they're in the past. How many weeks? Two weeks. In the past two weeks, they got lucky that they were playing a Jacksonville team, so they are able to overcome that. But when you're playing a team that's as good as the Buccaneers, you can't miss three field goals in and a couple extra points and expect to win.
0: Yeah, when you leave 15 points on the field as a kicker, one guy, it really shows up in the win-loss column. You just can't leave that Mm -hmm. many. That's two touchdowns right there over two weeks. And imagine how many teams – would could appreciate an extra touchdown in a week or two where it was a one-score
2: game absolutely rory who's your hot or cold yeah i was a couple but i was actually another team that was affected by that the um new orleans saints will lutz missed a couple field goals they ended up losing by three points that game would have been vastly different if he had made those and he's he's a pretty decent kicker but yeah to connor's point kickers are a lot more important than i think people people realize i mean adam Benateri felt like he won a few Super Bowls almost by himself for the (laughs) Patriots a few years there, which might be sacrilege for most Tom Brady fans to hear someone say, but for me, let's see, I had Washington winning four in a row. Um, They turned in a pretty stellar performance against a team in San Francisco that I kind of thought was a little bit of a trap game for them. I thought San Francisco matched up well. It's a team that can stop the run. Washington tries to run. They try to hit those short passes, um, the San Francisco defense is usually pretty good about taking those things away, and then um, you know San Francisco's offensive scheme in terms of running the ball right down your throat most of the game I, I thought might have been a bit of a challenge for Washington as well, but um, they stepped up to the plate and uh, Kyle Allen, um, sorry not Kyle Allen, Alex Smith actually even went out in that game and and Dwayne Haskins managed to close it out. So it's an impressive win for Washington. My <laughs> cold performance of the week was. None other than the Cincinnati Bengals fumbling the ball on three consecutive offensive drives, which I have never seen in all the years that I've watched the NFL. The starting court, starting running back, Giovanni Bernard, fumbled for the first time in something like 800 rushing attempts. Travion Williams came in second stringer immediately fumbled, and Alex Erickson, who's really the punt returner, fumbled on a fourth and one that he had converted <laughs> for the third drive in a row. That's That's pretty sad, even by the Bengals' low standards. So that was definitely a cold performance.
0: And I don't know if we did this on purpose or we just kind of knew each other. In this sense, none of us picked the Lamar Jackson coming out of the locker room with cramps or stomach issues as our hot performance of the week, or maybe our cold performance because it was freezing in Cleveland and no one could grip the ground with their spikes. It looked like Lamar tweaked his knee when he went down the first time and had to change his shoes. And in the late in the fourth quarter, probably one of the best primetime NFL games in the history of the league.
1: It was pretty cool. I think it shows that he's a caliber and the mental state that he can go into the locker room, come back on a fourth down play and, and make a play like that is pretty impressive. It also shows you the crap Cleveland has to put up with on a week to week basis with the weather in that stadium, what they have to do. So, but nothing against the Mars performance. I think he, in one of his post games, he said, he's no Paul Pierce. He was actually cramping, which is pretty funny. That was hear. my
0: favorite quote of the night.
1: <laughs> call, call out Paul Pierce from uh, the NBA playoffs a few years back, but. That's a true that ricochet was, shot. That is, that is indeed. But it's good to see him get back out on the field and close out the game for the Ravens.
0: All right, moving on to what we loved and hated. Biggest plays of the week, mistakes. Music,
2: sweet music.
0: For me, I hated the fact that the old Oak and Bucket game between IU and Purdue got canceled for a second week in a row. Thank you, COVID. No, thank you. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that because I'm still frustrated we didn't get to play. Connor, what's your, your liked and hated?
1: I think for me, it's the Big Ten changing their rules and allowing Ohio State to play in the Big Ten championship, knowing that they're their best chance at getting in the college football playoff. and also just means more money for them if Ohio State's in the, in the conference championship, higher TV viewer ratings, everything. I understand it is COVID, but there were Big Ten teams. They were able to play six. To be fair, Ohio State's cancellations, a decent amount of them weren't their own, weren't their fault. It was because of the other team. So I can see that being a little bit of, of a factor in the, the Big Ten's decision to allow them to play. But as a UC fan, we'd love to see a different Ohio team in in the college football playoff. And if Ohio State doesn't play in the Big Ten, championship there's a much better chance they get bumped out of that four slot if some some other team show that they can do it so that and then until I saw the rankings come out I had Florida losing to LSU as, as something I liked being a UC fan but apparently losing to a non-top 25 team a bad team like LSU that doesn't even have a winning record only drops you one spot according to the college football playoff I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later in this podcast, but I'm sure it does help that someone from your school is on the college football playoff committee. So so that doesn't hurt Florida's chances of only dropping one when you lose to a non-ranked team.
0: Yeah, to me, Big Ten changing the rules was like the episode of the Simpsons where they went back and found the old piece of parchment with the the fact that the Springfield had already had a prohibition on alcohol, and they went back and switched the rules. It feels like all kinds of flip-flop back and forth ridiculousness that it's just this year. I think you got to chalk it up to 2020. The, you can put the blame on the Big Ten for sure, which I will most certainly as an IU fan. But I think it's really neither here nor there at this point.
1: No, I think to Ohio State's credit, that team is good enough that if you gave them a 10-game season, they're probably in the college football playoffs. So that doesn't bother me as much as three, two-loss teams being ahead of undefeated, not even just UC but like a coastal Carolina or those teams that haven't lost yet that have played quality opponents that have won being still being so far ahead of undefeated teams. When they have two lost teams, it just means the bias is, is even larger than you expect, but I'm sure Rory will expound a little bit more on this. Yeah. Rory, what's your loved and hated?
2: Well, I'll, I'll talk about the like first so we can have a bit of a break on the college football committee before I hammer them again.
0: Yeah, This is um, week four in a row of us hammering the college football playoff committee.
2: My, my like for the week, I thought the Baltimore safety to close out the game against Cleveland was hilarious given that most people finished on a Baltimore minus three line. And of course that's what they were sitting on. So the game was supposed to be a push. And then after a series of about 20 laterals, Cleveland threw the ball about the back of the end zone, taking the line to Baltimore, winning by five and, um, the only people that really would have been happy with a push would have been all the sports books because they just would have taken money on the juice. But um, you got a lot of people happy and a lot of people upset once once that happened, which is always funny. When you don't, when you don't actually have money on the game and that happens, it's always funny.
0: My favorite part um, of the broadcast on ESPN was right when they cut to Scott Van Pelt for the Midnight Sports Center. He was laughing hysterically with his buddy off camera and they were just dying laughing at the fact that that game somehow covered on the safety
2: as time expired right well because he always does that bad beat segment and so i'm sure they're sitting there their producers are trying to put that segment together they're just rubbing their after. hands together excited
0: <laughs> to put in the clips
2: right um my hate and i won't spend as much time on it as i did last week but i mean i i just don't understand how the Actually, I guess I do understand how the committee can make the decisions they do. I think it's never been more clear to me than it is this year that college football is so much more about money than it is about actually playing the game and and who deserves to be be where. But I sent this to Connor a little while ago, and Bill Connolly, um, I think I might have talked about him last week. It feels like to me there's a little bit more media pushback on the way things have gone this year with rankings than I've seen in quite a while. It was kind of like it was accepted, and maybe because the top four, top five weren't really that hotly debated, but feels like this year for the first time we're hearing some opinions and um he stated this a lot better than than i ever really could have so i'm just going to read it he talks about how um you know traditionally we've said that every game matters in college football you lose a game you're likely out because every game matters has always felt more true than it actually is um But then he goes into saying, beyond that, for half of the entire football bowl subdivision, group of five teams, no games matter. This is one of the only sports in the world in which half of the teams begin the year with no path to a national title shot. Field the best team in your school's history, dominate and go unbeaten, basically becoming the football version of the Butler team that nearly won the NCAA basketball tournament a few years ago. Congratulations on your Fiesta Bowl bid against the number 11 team in the country. I mean, I can't really say anything more than that, so... I'm just going to leave it there.
0: That's so true, and it's so
2: sad. It is. it is. I mean, we can sit here and be frustrated about it as people that watch football, but at the end of the day, you really kind of feel for the kids on these teams who um, work their asses off at a Coastal Carolina or a Cincinnati, and they just – they have to be watching these rankings every week thinking, I mean, there's just no chance. And, and the problem is then, of course, like a Luke Fickle, you know – you're not going to want, if you're the caliber of coach, he is, you're not going to want to stay at a team that doesn't ever have a chance at competing for a national championship. So he moves on um, in, in these programs. It's just, it's just a problem. I don't know if there's a solution because there's just too much money in these big football programs. Um, but hopefully, you know, I think an 18 playoff would really help. So.
0: I think we can all agree an 18 playoff would and will be the final answer for college football. But until then it's just three men yelling at cloud for the next few years. Well, somehow our conversation transitioned seamlessly into the next set of bullet points, the college football playoff and rankings. So we might as well just list the bullet points that we've got. Are you ready? ready? We're ready. Are you ready for football? Our teams, Cincinnati and IU remain out of the race. Cincinnati dropped one and IU went up one despite neither team playing in the past week. Florida barely dropped at all. They went down one after losing to a terrible LSU Tigers team in the fog game or the shoe game, whatever you want to call it. And then Iowa state is ranked sixth now, despite two losses. And do you guys have any final thoughts on the college football playoff and where we stand before championship week?
1: No, I think we've, we've talked (laughs) it into the ground for this podcast.
2: We've yelled at all the clouds we possibly can. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I can talk about it anymore. I'm just going to get more irritated.
0: All right, then moving on to world football, soccer. We've got the Champions League, Premier League, a little bit of Europa Cup action. Rory, why don't you give us the lay of the land? Uh
2: So um, we're kind of in that dead zone in the champions league between the group stage finishing. We'll wait a couple months for the knockout rounds to begin, but the um, matchups were drawn recently. So a couple to look forward to probably the more of the marquee matchups are going to be Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid and Barcelona against uh, PSG in the um, first round there. I think most people will be looking forward to that. And then one, a little bit more under the radar maybe, but I'm interested in is RB Leipzig against Liverpool um, Leipzig has um, a pretty phenomenal young head coach um, and, and has done a great job in the Bundesliga over the last few years I think Liverpool are going to have a little bit more trouble on their hands Than they, than they might think with, with Leipzig So looking forward to that And then from a Premier League perspective um, We still have roughly the same top of the table Not too much is going to change week to week Liverpool and Tottenham both dropped points Both those teams drew to, to teams that weren't very good Man City, Man United was unfortunately kind of a dud of a game that finished nil-nil. I watched a better part of that game, and it, you know, I'm one of those people that that definitely finds a lot of excitement in a lot of, you know, soccer matches that end zero-zero. This was not one of them.
0: Yeah, the Manchester (laughs) Derby was blowing up on Twitter, but it was anything other than blowing up in terms of the score, ending up with goose eggs. That's one of the more disappointing uh, final scores in. Manchester derby history for me at least.
2: It really is and, and United actually has a better team this year than I think they have in a little while. Um Ollie uh Gunnar Solskjaer which I never pronounce his name right um has kind of settled in a little bit more as the manager. They got knocked out of the Champions League so this felt like a game that maybe they wanted to come in and with some energy and and um just both teams just look pretty flat. And then my last point here is unfortunately with another loss today Chelsea have now dropped two in a row to mid table teams. They're, they're on a bit of a run of poor form as well. So I don't know if we're reaching that sort of mid year lull where some of these top teams are kind of drawn into this. We've played a number of matches. We're getting a little bit tired. Um, but I feel like this holiday break, you know, over the next few weeks is, is when some of these bottom table teams have a chance to, to nab some points. So um, something to watch out for. do you have any thoughts on any of that? Obviously I
1: follow the, the European league and champions league and, I love watching the games. I'm not as impassioned of a Chelsea supporter as Rory is. But for me, I like more so also tracking where all the U.S. players are when it pertains to those leagues. I know they set a U.S. record during the last Champions League games of having eight active players or get into a match and have a few scores. So it's been it's been good for the U.S. to see that level of activity and participation across the world in some of the top-tier international tournaments coming into the world cup in 2022. And then when we host in 2026.
0: Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you just said there. All right. Rory's blending in with his background on the zoom call here. And it looks like he was leaning back a little bit bored at the end, but most exciting or interesting game you watched in the NFL from the past week for me, obviously Ravens Browns on Monday night football, we kicked off the show talking about it. I don't think there's a whole lot more that can be said uh, with regards to Baker's performance or Lamar's uh, comeback at the end. Rory, what was your uh, most exciting or interesting game?
2: Yeah, I think I, I kind of went the interesting route on this one. I thought there are a number of playoff contenders that really um, showed how good they can be when they play at their best. The Rams beating the Patriots 24, three. I mean, anytime you, you face Bill Belichick, that can be a trap game and the Rams really looked very good um that's usually the type of game that Belichick would for lack of a better term sort of dirty up and and try to get you into to some you know a bunch of scuffles and in in between the trenches and and try to eke out a victory and the Rams that was never really close um a couple other teams that I thought solidified themselves as playoff teams the Buccaneers um came off of their bye and did what they needed to do against the Vikings. The Titans rebounded nicely after that Browns debacle and crushed the Jaguars. The Colts looked really good against the Raiders. Um, Jonathan Taylor got going. So I think we saw some some, playoffs, some potential playoff teams really actually look like playoff teams. And then on the flip side, um, you know, the Eagles versus the Saints, I highlighted that just because I, I felt like I've watched Taysom Hill a few weeks in a row now, and he's definitely made some good plays. He definitely has some, some potential. But I think those first few games you felt like, it was a relatively seamless transition. And I think against the Eagles, you really saw why Drew Brees is the number one quarterback um, in New Orleans. Taysom Hill takes a little bit of a long time to get through his, his reads. Sometimes if that first um, guy that he's looking at is not open, he's not great at getting through that progression, Um, held the ball a little bit too long, a few times. Um, I believe he's on pace to maybe break the record for most fumbles in a season, (laughs) uh, which is kind of crazy. So, um, you know, I, I, Jason Hill's a great player. I don't want to, I don't want to negate the the impact that he has as a guy who can come in and step in and be a backup quarterback and do a great job as a backup, as well as do a lot of other interesting things in that offense. When when Drew Brees is there, he's certainly a weapon, but to me, he looks like a more like a backup quarterback than a than a guy that can lead a playoff team. So and I think maybe we saw that in the Eagles game. Yeah,
1: I think for me, on my side, obviously I was pretty much watching every game I could and The Eagles-Saints game was of of utmost importance to me in the NFL Pick'em League I'm in, and I was getting frustrated with Taysom Hill as he continued to get sacked for a guy who's one of the fastest players in the league. To get sacked five times is kind of inexcusable. It's just a lack of awareness of the pocket, which isn't necessarily his fault, considering he hasn't played that many games in the NFL pocket. Yeah, considering you can
0: put him at the wide receiver position in fantasy football, he's got decent pocket presence for a quote-unquote wide receiver.
1: Absolutely. I think from my side, I was actually pretty intrigued by the Dolphins-Chiefs game. The the first one out, Mahomes, was hurt by a couple tip balls that the receivers probably could have caught, but also where he was trying to make plays that normally go his way that probably just didn't go his way this time. And the Dolphins hung around and they had a chance at the end of the game to be able to come back. I think Tua played pretty well. I know Mahomes gave him a lot of praise after the game and to was stuck in there and was able to work even with Yasaki going out and Parker Parker going out and some others who's losing some targets, was able to stick in there. So I think it, the Dolphins staying in and fighting, showing that their defense can generate takeaways like even against a, an offense like the Chiefs, proved that they might be able to squeeze into the playoffs and be a pretty tough out as they move forward. And the other game for me was Buffalo against Pittsburgh on Sunday night. I think honestly, it showed me that. Buffalo is is pretty darn good and Pittsburgh's probably not as good as people think they are. Uh, they had they did have a pretty easy route to to 11 wins. Now, you can say no, no win in the NFL is easy, but in terms of strength of schedule and record, probably one of the easier starts to the season from a schedule perspective, especially when they played the Ravens and the Ravens were down about half their team and they still barely squeaked out a victory there as well, and then they lose two in a row, but Oh ah, yes, shows... Wednesday
0: afternoon football, yeah. classic football time.
1: <laughs> it also shows that Josh Allen is is here, and he's able to stick in there. He was battered all game long against the Steelers. He stuck into the pocket. He didn't really make any big mistakes, and he was able to lead them to a victory and come back. And Diggs, Stephon Diggs, might be the biggest offseason acquisition for a team in terms of the impact he's had on that Buffalo offense and um, being able to help them go from – where where they were last year, which was decent, basically putting up enough points to to help um, the defense. And the defense is playing really well to where the offense could potentially carry the team if they need to. And I think digs as long as, as well as Allen's progression as a passer, have really been the impetus there. So it'll be they'll be a fun team to watch going into the playoffs. And I think honestly they could beat any team in the AFC that might be the biggest challenger to the Chiefs right now in terms of being able to keep up with them. For, from a passing perspective, with that offense, and if that Buffalo line, defensive line shows up, and the defense plays well, that would be a very interesting game.
0: All right, we might as well move right into the storylines for the NFL that we're watching. First of all, I'll pose a question here: Can the Browns catch up to the Steelers? Cleveland right now is two games behind in the AFC North. Can they get back and win the division?
2: Uh, well, they. I believe they play the Steelers one of those three games. And I think the other two are winnable. <laughs> I'm not as sure as to what the, Steel- uh, the Steelers play the Colts. Actually. I know that they play the Browns and I'm not sure what their, their other game is. So, I mean, I think if the Browns beat the Steelers, I think there's a chance. Cause I think Indianapolis is going to be a tough game for the Steelers as well. I'm going to, I'm going to say no, but I'm going to say it's about 40% chance that they, that they're able to do it.
1: That's my answer. And th- the Steelers have the Bengals this week, so you should face on Monday night. Basically, chalk that one up in the win column for Pittsburgh to put them at twelve and two. But then they finish against the Colts and the Browns, so you could potentially see the Steelers coming in at at twelve and three into that final game in the Browns. They've got the Giants and Jets next, so they could come in at eleven and four, and then you'd have. I'm not sure who'd win the tie break there because the Steelers beat the Browns in the beginning. I have to look closer at that, but they would have split the regular season games and both beat 12 and four. So they've got a shot. Hinges really on Indianapolis beating Pittsburgh and and Cleveland not playing down to their competition over the next two weeks.
0: Yeah, I think basically Pittsburgh has to pick up one more win.
2: Yep. Right. I believe. So I think it's very unlikely. But if the question is, are they both going to end up 12, 12 and 4? I, I still am going no. I just – I don't know if Baker can beat a team that can get to him with the way T.J. Watt can off the line, and that can also stop the run the way that the Steelers are, are going to be able to more so than some other teams. So – but that's going to be a heck of a game to, to finish out there if both teams still have something to play for.
0: All right, Rory, hit us with your storyline of the week.
2: Yeah, I've got a couple – I'm leaning more towards the player um, – Player storylines here. Derrick Henry has an outside shot at 2,000 yards. I believe he's around um, uh, 1,550 or so. So we'd need about 150 a game to get there. Um, he had 215 last week, so it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility. He seems he always gets stronger as the season goes on, and people get tired. Travis Kelsey is leading the league in receiving. No tight end has ever led the league in receiving. He's, he's about 70 up on DK Metcalf, 70 yards up on DK Metcalf in second place. So he certainly got a chance to do that, which would be cr- pretty crazy. And Justin Jefferson has an outside, probably I would say the least likely of, of these three things happening, Derrick Henry getting 2000, Travis Kelsey leading the league in receiving. Justin Jefferson has an outside chance at um, eclipsing the rookie receiving record. He's about 400 yards behind, so we need about 130 a game in these last few. Certainly possible as well for him. Seems unlikely, but it's something to keep an eye on. For me, I'm looking
1: at the Ravens after that Monday night game have a really good shot at going 11-5 and and getting into the playoffs with double-digit wins as a wild-card team or if the Browns stumble more down the line than we think potentially pushing ahead of the Browns for that final playoff spot, their strength of schedule, these final three games, is pretty weak. So tracking that and seeing people, a lot of people had written the Ravens off as they've lost some bad games, but they've also had some serious injury issues. And if they can get healthy by the playoffs, I know I'm not raising my hand to face that offense and a rejuvenated Ravens defense in the playoffs. So I'm tracking that story and how they heal and how they do to close out the season, as well as the fight for the final AFC and NFC spots with the playoffs expanded to seven teams this year. It's pretty cool to, to have, have more teams in contention. And a lot of this will come down to that final week 17 and we could have some shakeups here. So that'll be fun to watch over the next two to three weeks.
0: Guys, one last thought. Connor, what do you have? All right, you said sex. Last call.
1: For me, we haven't really talked about it at all, but obviously college basketball has kicked off in the, in the early stages. I'm sure we'll hit it more as these podcasts go on, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with the college basketball season. I know Coach K has already canceled the rest of Duke's non-conference basketball games. I think it was the Alabama coach that tried to call him out, saying he's only doing that because Duke has a couple of losses, which – I don't know if anyone's in a position to call out Coach K after the success he's had what he's been able to do with that Duke program. But he also knows that sending his players home for the holidays and giving them that break is probably more important to finishing out the season. And the only thing that really matters in college basketball is what you do in March and now early April.
0: Did you see that Plenty he's not time. even going to let his kids uh, stay at home for Christmas? They're going to end up having to come back for practice on the 23rd. Yeah.
1: Yeah, plenty. It's, it's, it's interesting. So that's I think it's a developing storyline in college basketball is it's been a little bit swept under the water with college football coming down to the college playoffs as well as the NFL season coming to the playoffs. There have been a decent amount of cancellations, I think, with the vaccines coming out and what we're seeing. Not necessarily sure March Madness is in jeopardy anymore, especially when they're calling for 100 million vaccinations by April. I think that tournament will probably happen. It'll probably be in one location like Indianapolis, which would be pretty cool. Not sure on fans and who and what will be allowed, but it'll be interesting to see if college basketball really pulls back on the out-of-conference schedule over these next few weeks Let's, and then comes back full bore for the for the conference schedule January, February timeframe.
0: All right. I've got nothing for last thoughts. Rory, do you have anything you want to talk about?
2: Well, I'll go with two then to uh, to cover – your lack of a last last thought. My first one, which I was just thinking about as as Connor was talking about the Ravens here is you've got a couple of teams, the NFL that are dwelling in the basement and you just wonder how they're going to get close to contention. I mean, the Bengals are two and 10. They, it's quite likely that they're going to be three teams in the AFC North that finish with double digit wins this year. Um, Obviously you got Joe Burrow and you got one or two pieces, but that's, that's an insane gap. I mean, that means six games out of you know, every year you play for the next however many years, you're obviously going up against those teams, quality teams that don't look like they're going to be slowing down anytime soon. I just don't know. And then the other team that, that strikes me is in the same position as the New York Jets. Um, you've got a Buffalo team that's getting better. You've got a Miami team that is young and has a great head coach in Brian Flores and is probably overachieving at this point, but they've got the pieces <laughs> to keep getting better. You've got a New England team with Bill Belichick that you know is going to be better next year, and he's going to figure out a way to, to keep that roster going. So, I, you know, I just, I just don't know where the, where the hope is supposed to come in from for, for those two teams. So that's somewhat of a depressing last thought. And then another depressing last thought, unfortunately, is uh, the um, games between the MLB and the MLBPA are already starting. Um, we saw some owners leaking that we're probably going to start the season in May. MLBPA already came back and said that they're planning on playing 162 games and showing up ready to go for spring training. We're already seeing some posturing with the baseball season. And so I hate to say it, but we're probably headed to another union labor dispute, you know, going into the season, which is really the last thing that anybody needs when it comes to baseball before people just start writing the sport off. So that that's unfortunate. Hopefully they can head that off before we get there, but don't have a great track record of doing so.
0: Yeah, they better start on time because I already listened to pretty much every single old radio broadcast from the 1960s that exists on the internet. I'm out of games. They better start playing some real ones.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for all all our sakes, I hope they do.
0: All right. Remember to download the Fans Place app on the App Store and the Google Play Store and check out the website, thefansplace.com for more blogs, podcasts, and other awesome content. Guys, any update on the new website or the app?
1: Website is live, so check us out at thefansplace.com. Um, and then the platform itself that will be launching for businesses on a B2B approach as well as having the consumer being able to be in the app too, to to build their own leagues and, and fantasy leagues out there will be hopefully launching by the NFL playoffs. So coming at you pretty quickly with, with Fans Place releases, the websites out there, and then the, the platform and the product here in the new year.
0: Well, I know I can't wait for it. I'm sure you guys are looking forward to it eagerly as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.